Wake up, everybody. No more sleeping in bed. Welcome to another Look Podcast. I am your host, Brother Kenneth Davis, also known as Brother Kenny D. At Another Look Podcast, we dig deep. We examine our splinters. We examine our planks. We make changes. And then we give thanks. This is a podcast that will take a look at the church in America collectively. And we also take a look at the people of God individually. You ready for this? Let's get up and let's go. Welcome to another Look Podcast. This is your brother, Kenneth L. Davis, otherwise known as Brother Kenny D. Just wanted to thank you again for your time and your your um, love given to me on this podcast. Um, I don't want to really spend a lot of time today with my intro. I do want to say one thing, you know, it lines up with what I was talking about with social justice. So today, um, I caught some glimpses of the George Floyd trial against... Uh, the police officer who basically murdered him. And um, I ain't gonna lie, man, it's been hard because they were showing that video over and over again of watching a man literally die before our eyes. You know, I saw it with Eric Garber, you know, uh, Eric Garner, excuse me. And now seeing it with, you know, as I saw last, you know, the previous years with George Floyd, man, it's tough. It's tough, and I'm, I'm, I'll am i ask y'all to pray for a brother, because, you know, um, I'm not immune to pain. And seeing that man kill, or that person kill Brother Floyd just hurt my heart, man. Hurt my heart. So I'm not going to get into that. Um, I'm going to leave that alone. I want to talk to you a little bit about, uh, I'm going to do a series now. Uh, deviate a little bit from what I'm used to doing, you know, and, and I'm, there's a series I want to do called uh, Lessons in the Cave. Um, and, and I'm basing it on the years we went through when we first moved down here in 2007 to South Carolina. Um, there was a lot of things that, you know, led us to coming here. Most of all, it was God leading it. He told me, he gave me some promises that if we moved down here, there'd be things to expect. What I did not know at the time and later found out was you had to go through some things to get to that place of promise. And, you know, um, I, I look back at now with the, with more wisdom. Thank God for it. But there's some lessons I learned, I, you know, when I reflect back on that then. Um, there are lessons I learned over time, which I didn't realize until I sat down, got my thoughts together and really began to seek God on what was it that I should have learned and what was it that I learned during that season from 2007, really to 2016. So it was about, you know, almost nine, eight to nine years where we went through a whole lot. Now, mind you, I'm a brother with a, a law degree. I'm, a, I'm an attorney by, by nature, by practice. And I don't practice anymore, um, but I'm, a, I'm an attorney. I'm also, um, you know, uh, I worked at international banking. So you know, I never went through some of the things I went through until I moved down here in 2007. Um, but, you know, it rains on the just and the unjust. And I guess I fall in both categories and sometimes. <laughs> but, you know, there's some things that I didn't, I guess, realize were in me that were not pleasing to God. And, you know, that's not, I'm not saying that was the whole reason why we went through some of the things. There were a lot of things that sometimes, you know, when you ask God to use you, you know, you got to prove it too. In other words, there's a proving time. There's a proving season you have to go through to be able to be used because God's not going to pour new wine in the old wineskins. 
Mm, preach. Um, but anyway, um, so today, um, I'm, I'm, again, I'm starting a series in Lessons in the Cave. And the cave I'm referring to is the same cave David lived in, and, and you'll see it in 1 Samuel 22, the cave of Adullam. Um, just to give you a brief background, you know, David was called by God. He was anointed by the prophet Samuel to be the next king of Israel, which at the time was occupied by King Saul, who was also called by, or anointed by God, not God's choice, but anointed by God and given God's permissive will to, to lead Israel. But God repented or relented of his decision to, you know, keep Saul as king. And David was chosen and, and, and an evil spirit vexed Saul. And so Saul went after David, tried to kill him with a spear. David fled. And, you know, David hid in the cave of Adullam in uh, 1 Samuel 22. And, you know, that didn't stop Saul because Saul went after him. Saul was pursuing to kill him. You know, thank God that God had always made a way of escape for David. And, and also Saul's son, Jonathan, was in David's corner. And so um, the, in the cave, you know, Cave of Abdullah represents a lot of things. Number one, it's a place of transition. It's also a place of of growth. It's a place of loneliness also. But it's a place where sometimes, you know, when you get into a situation, sometimes not that God causes it, but he allows it because he wants to get you alone, you know, so he can speak more clearly to you. You know, anytime you're in a cave, it's a place of isolation, just like wilderness is. And if you see in the Gospels, Jesus always isolated himself away from the crowd and all the fanfare so that he could hear clearly from his father and also hear more from his father. Not that he had a problem hearing God, but sometimes the, the crowd can drown out the voice of God. Mm. Lord, help. Lord help. So I'm going to get right into the scriptures in Ecclesiastes, the third chapter. I'm going to spend some time in Ecclesiastes. That's been kind of where God has had me for the past month um, in looking at things in my life. So I want to start with Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8, and I'm reading this in the Amplified Version, and I'm going to start with verse 1 and end at 8. It says, to everything there is a season and a time for every matter or purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to get and a time to lose, a time to keep, and a time to cast away, a time to rend, and a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. I want to go back to the first verse. A very important verse that I didn't really, I used to see this all the time, but never understand it. I, I saw the Logos word but didn't get the raiment until I looked at this more closely. I'm going to read it again. In verse 1, it says, To everything there is a season and a time for every matter or purpose under heaven. Think about that scripture. What God's telling us is everything in your life, everything in my life, everything in anyone's life under the heavens is governed by seasons and times. And what I'm learning that in every season we go through, there is a time allotment in that season for your season. In other words, in your season, there is a time period, which tells you 
that seasons are temporary. But really, the time period you spend in a season is based on your ability to embrace the season and learn the lessons in the season. So let's talk about some things. In Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8, again, we looked at the different seasons, and I'll let you read that in your own time. But there's another time, another thing we need to think about. See, there are seasons, but seasons have to be something you willingly are. I mean, you don't have a choice whether you enter into a season, but you have to be willing to grow in the season. You can hold off. You can prevent your growth in the season by resisting what God is doing for you and to you in the season. Hmm. I'm going to say it again. You can prevent your growth and you can actually prevent coming out of a season when you resist changing in the season. Let me give you an example. Um, there, when you enter into a season, you enter as in seed form. You enter in as something new. I mean, the potential of, of a thing is inside of a thing. The potential for whatever, let's say a seed for a banana, I mean a seed for an apple. The potential for it to be an apple, or better yet, for it to be an orchard producing much fruit, is contained in the one seed. And so what happens whenever there is a seed? Seeds are buried under soil or dirt. Why? Because the soil causes resistance between the container, the seed container, in other words, the 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 seed, the apple is actually housed inside of a housing case called a seed. But the soil draws out the seed, the potential. So the potential to be an apple is drawn out by the soil. When the soil gets on the seed, it pulls the potential out of the seed. And it the seed grows. But you can also, hear me out, you can also, the difference between you and the seed is that you can prevent yourself from coming out. You can present your potential from coming out. Look at Ecclesiastes 5, 1 through 2. I'm going to see if I can get there. I was there. Um, so, um, you know, one of the things, one of the scriptures I remember is Ecclesiastes 5, 1 through 2. It says, keep your foot. Give your mind to what you are doing. When you go as Jacob to sacred Bethel, to the house of God, for to draw near to hear and obey is better than to give the sacrifice of fools carelessly, irreverently, too ignorant to know that they are doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth, Ooh. and let not your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven, and you are on earth, therefore let your words be few. Do not rash with your mouth, and let not your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven, and you are on earth, therefore let your words be few. So, God has planted you in a season. You're a seed. And if you let, and you know, and soil represents dirt. And dirt sometimes, let's, let's be honest, dirt is the things that the enemy does to you through people that hurt you or that is meant to cause harm to you. And so, you know, we can let that, that, that dirt offend us or we can let it produce what's in us. You know, whenever we are put in a season and one of the worst things we can do is speak against the season we're in. Don't speak something God has not put in your mouth about your season. Don't sit there and, and resist what God is wanting to do in you and to you and through you in the season by opening your mouth 
and speaking against your season. Your season is meant to change you and transition you to something bigger, better, and blessed. And But when you open your mouth, you speak death to your season. You speak death to your progress. And as a result, you stay stuck. See, when people say they're stuck in a rut or that they feel stuck, what they're not really saying, and they may not even realize, is that they are stuck because they're resisting what God is doing in that season in their life. Again, Ecclesiastes 3 said, to everything in life, to every matter of purpose in, 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 you know, in life under the heavens, there are seasons and there are times. So why is that important? Because, you know, so a lot of people say, I don't understand what God's trying to do in this season. Well, look at your look at Ecclesiastes 3, Ecclesiastes 3, 1, 3. Maybe he's you're in a season or you're in a time allotment in that season where you're going through a birth. Maybe God's birthing something in you. And birthing isn't light. Birthing is painful. Birthing is painful. Any woman who's had a child or any man who's seen his wife have a child or, or, or the mother of his child have a child, that is painful. But the blessing comes after the birth occurs. The blessing comes after the pain. So maybe you're going through a birthing process. Maybe you're going through a death process. Maybe God is causing death to some of the relationships in your life. And you want to keep holding on to them. But you holding on to them is causing you hurt because you don't know how to let go. Maybe you're going through an allotment in your season where God is planting something in your life. And if he's planning something in your life, it has to grow. That means there's going to be things, and there's going to be obstructions. There's going to be a conflict that comes in your life that puts dirt on your seed so that you can, that potential that he has planted can come out. And then there's a time to pluck up. You know, whenever, you know, my parents had a garden at our house in, in New Jersey, my father always had a garden. My mother always had a garden. And there was times when, you know, we planted, but there's also times where we would pluck up things. We would pluck up, um, you know, fruit that was produced or vegetables that produced, whether it be green beans or collard greens or cabbage. It was time after we planted it, when it grew, we would pluck it up. Um, in other words, it's a time to pluck up what's planted. There's also a time to kill and a time to heal. In other words, there's a time where there's going to be things that are killed in your life. There'll be things that are killed in you. There are things that God doesn't like about you. He loves you, but there are things that the enemy has planted in you from your youth or from your from your generational that God has to allow to be killed. And so once he kills it, don't pick it back up again. Let it go. And then there's also times when God will cause you to heal after he causes whatever he doesn't like in you to be killed. There's a time for healing. You know, there's a balm in Gilead where God will cause you to heal from the thing that has hurt you. There's a time to break down. And there's a time to build up. There's a time where God will cause things to break down in your life. But because he has to build you up. For example, if you ever had a broken bone in your body, you know, you go to rehab, you get a, a cast on it. And that's and usually when you come back from that break, the thing that was broken is actually stronger than it was originally. So there are some things that God has to break in order to build. You know, there's, so, there's old wineskins that you are. He has to break you. To make you new again. He can't sow into what's already old. He has to, you know, uh, well, I won't say that's that, but he has to break things down in your life in order to build you up. There's a time to weep. There's a time to laugh. Maybe in your season, you're going through a time of mourning. But there is also a time where he will turn your mourning into dancing. 
and will cause you to laugh at the things that used to hurt you. There's a time, listen, to mourn. There it is. There's a time to dance. There's a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. There's a time where God's going to ask you to cast things away. Cast all my cares upon on you for, I mean, cast all your cares upon him for he careth for you. There's a time when you have to gather stones. There's a time when you have to bring together those stony things. There's a time to embrace. And there's a time to refrain from embracing. In other words, there's a time when you have to embrace what you're going through. And there's a time you need to refrain from embracing. There's a time of consecration away from things and people that you would normally love to be alone and to be with God. There's a time to get and a time to lose. And there's a time to keep and a time to cast away. There's a time to rip or rend, and there's a time to sow. And there's a time to keep silent and a time to speak. Good God, might help me with that one. There's a time to love and a time to hate. There's a time for war and a time for peace. So there's nothing new under the sun. All the things in your life will fall in one of these allotments or time periods in your season. So you don't even have to wonder, well, God, why am I going through this? Look at the Ecclesiastes 3 and look at what time allotment you're going through in your season. Am I in a reaping time or am I in a sowing time? Am I in a time where I should be silent, God? Or am I in a time where I should speak? Is there a time where I should get away or get in it? Or is this a time I should let go and lose? Um, is there a time, God, I'm I'm to mourn? Or is this a time, is it a time, Lord, where I should submit to what it is that you're birthing in me? Or is there a time I should, Lord, just die to self or die to whatever it is you don't want in me? Excuse that sound. Um, and so we have to stop resisting what God is doing in that season. When we are planted in seed form, stay as a seed until it is time for your the, the soul to pull out of you what is in you. Potential also comes out of. Um, you know, in other words, potential comes out, but if you resist the season you're in, that you've been allotted, in other words, when you choose to be without content, you become bitter. So another way you resist growth and you could hold back coming out of that season is by becoming bitter in your season instead of better in your season. And how do you become bitter? Because when you, again, when you, you know, let's say you didn't resist and, and the potential came out of the seed and you're now no longer in seed form. Well, now you go from seed and then you realize you're in a pot. Think of a potted plant. And, and when they, you see the pot, some people resist the pot now. So you're not resisting the growth you, you're willing to come out and grow, but you don't like the, the container you're in. Mm. In other words, you don't like the church you're in or, or you don't like the, the place you live or the people you live with or, or where you work. You're mad and, you know, all of a sudden now you're like, you don't want to bloom where you're planted. See, there's a reason why you are where you are right now. Nothing takes God by surprise and nothing surprises God. You are where you are right now because that's where God wants you right now. So instead of fighting it, Ask God, Lord, what is it you want me to do where I'm at? Whether it be the church I'm in or, or the, the job I have or the career I have, or maybe I don't have any. I'm in this season. What do you want me to learn from this, God? What do you want to come out of me? Where do you, what do you want me, God, to empty out while I'm in this pot? And so when you stop resisting what God wants you to do in the place he puts you in, the potential begins to now grow out of the soil and come out of the soil and grow up to where the light is. Because now you're following the voice of God. And when you follow the voice of God, you grow up to it. 
I don't know if you ever seen that Geico commercial. I, I guess it's Geico, um, where there's these gentlemen who belong to this. I think it's Facebook or whatever club. It might be Facebook club or Facebook group where it talks about plants and how to grow plants. And, and one guy says, talk to it. And he begins to talk to a plant and a plant begins to grow. And they all begin to talk to their plants. And the next thing you know, their plants are shooting through the roof. Well, that's you. That's me. You know, God's always talking to us. And see, the key is this. The difference between the plant and us is God gives us a will. See, God is always speaking. The question is, are we always listening? Are we always hearing? Because if we're attuned to his voice, we grow towards the direction of his voice. Oh, Lord, say it again. If we are attuned to the voice of God, we will grow in the direction where we hear his voice. So what it does is it actually causes us to grow out of the pot. And eventually we outgrow the pot. And anyone who, who grows plants knows when you outgrow the pot, you replant it in a bigger pot that can contain the potential that is in the plant or the, the fruit or wherever you grow in. And so I want to look at a scripture that is key to this. It's in Philippians. Um, I believe it's Philippians, the fourth chapter. And I believe it is in verse 11 through 13. So I'm human like you. Let me get there. <laughs> so Philippians 4, 11 through 13, prophet, I'm the uh, apostle Paul. Um, wrote this so eloquently, and I'm reading this in Amplified Version. It says, not that I am implying that I was in any personal want, for I've learned how to be content, satisfied to the point where I'm not disturbed or disquieted in whatever state I am. I know how to be abased and live humbly in straitened circumstances, and I know also how to enjoy plenty and live in abundance. I have learned in any and all circumstances the secret of facing every situation, whether well-fed or going hungry, having a sufficiency and enough to spare or going without and being in want. I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. Wow. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. My God. So this is why you can say I count it all joy no matter what I'm going through. Because I am content whether I have a lot or whether I have little. Because as long as I have Christ, the anointed one and his anointing, I have everything I need. I am sufficient because in Christ alone, I am able to go forward. So I can grow even in a plant that, you know, in my flesh, I may think is too small for me or in a pot that's too small for me, or in a, a job that's too small for me, or around people who I think are too small for me, or in a church that I think is too small for me. That's not your place to say that. You may think it, but ask God to get your thoughts. Take down that thought. Bring it under subjection. And submit yourself under the power of God. Because if God has you there, it's not too small for you. You're not a big fish in a little pond. You're a little fish in a big pond that is bigger than the physical. It is spiritual. God is trying to develop and grow you where he planted you. And he decides the time and the season when you have outgrown the pot. Because he is the potter. You're the clay. He is the planter. You are the seed. You are the plant. And he will move you from pot to pot when he feels 
you're sufficient. Now, resisting growth is another issue. So let's say you're no longer in seed form. You didn't resist coming out as of you know out of seed. You're growing, and you didn't resist. You know you've gotten past the point where you you're tripping about what pot you're planted in, and you're you're content in that. But here's another way we can resist growth. We can resist growth by attempting to be the plant as well as the pruner. We can resist growth by attempting to be both the plant and the pruner. Pruning happens when we are assembled with the saints. Listen to me, Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. Excuse me for making that noise. Um, So Hebrews 10, 24 and verse 25. And again, I'm getting there. No, I'm not perfect, but I'm getting there. Uh, there we go. And it says, And let us consider and give attentive, continuous care to watching over one another, studying how we are. We may stir up, stimulate, and incite to love and help deeds and helpful deeds and mobile, noble activities. I'm sorry, let me read that again. And let us consider and give attentive, continuous care to watch over one another, studying how we may stir up, stimulate, and incite to love and helpful deeds and noble activities, not forsaking or neglecting to assemble together as believers, as is the habit of some people, but admonishing, warning, urging, and encouraging one another, and all the more faithful as you see the day approaching. So, stop. We don't choose to assemble. You know, I know people say, oh, I can go to iChurch, or I don't need to be in the house of God. I have a personal relationship with God. Listen, if God's telling you, come into the house, and you choose not to, the question is, are you a disobedient child or an obedient child? Because obedience is better than sacrifice. See, the coming together of the saints is not about, you know, giving, you know, another going to ask me for tithing offering. That's not what it's about. It's about God using a man or a woman to speak to you. And through the encouragement and the building up of uh, of of one saint to another, we build each other up. We assemble each other. Our, our encouragement, our admonishments, our urgings, our warnings, build one another up. That's the pruning process. Pruning happens when we assemble with the saints. But listen, if you choose not to assemble, you choose not to be pruned. And if you choose not to be pruned, you choose to be unfruitful and produce no fruit. And God cannot use an unfruitful believer. God chooses who prunes you, not you. I know you can go, you have power to choose. You can go from church to church to church. But there's only one person that God has chosen to prune you. God chooses who prunes you, and he chooses what gets pruned. He chooses how you are pruned and when you are pruned. You don't control any of that. And so, and still, I can hear people in their minds saying, well, I don't need all that. It don't take all that. You know, I can be cool myself. I have God, and that's a majority, and that... One with God is a majority, provided that you're obedient. And I know people don't like that word, but that's in the Bible. Obedience is not so much about do's and don'ts. It's about, it's an act of love. You can do what you want to do, but your obedience to God shows you, God, I have the power to choose, but I choose to put my will down to honor your will. I love you that much that my will is not important in comparison to your will. That's why Jesus said, Lord, if you could take this cup from me, take it away. But nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Now, this is the son of God 
who's saying this. If he can say it, who are we to say, not say we won't lay down our will? You're a living sacrifice, according to Romans 12. You present yourself a living sacrifice. Sacrifices don't have a will. They, they yield their will. So I want to read this in Ecclesiastes 4, in, in verse 9, and uh, 9 through, I guess, 12. And it says, two are better than one, because they have a good, more satisfying reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie down together, and then, and then they have warmth, but how can one be warm alone? And though a man might prevail against him who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. And, you know, that's a common verse to use when you get, when you get married. You know, threefold cord being you, um, your spouse, and God. You know, but this is, this is the power of assembly is that there's power in number. There's strength in number. And when we get together, we, 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 you know, encourage each other. We build each other up. Matter of fact, even if someone doesn't even speak to you and sitting next to you, the fact that the presence of God is in them and the presence of God is in you, the two together can cause, one could put a thousand of flight, but two could put 10,000 of flight. So let's say you come in and you're dealing with a lot of different issues, a lot of different, you know, evils, demons coming at you. You know, let's not be deep, but let's be real. Some things are coming at you are you, but some things are demon, demonic. And you're dealing with it. And you try to figure, God, I'm going to get through this. Well, maybe the person next to you has the power to loose you from that bond. The anointing on them can loose you. You know, and so what happens if you choose not to be around saints? Well, you're by yourself. See, because here's the thing. And people don't get this, but some people don't get this. Many do. God moves through men and women in the earth to carry out his will. Yes, there are sovereign things God does in the earth, but most of the time by the principle of representation, God will use an individual to bring his will into the earth. So it's, it's likewise, Satan will use a person to bring the pool of health into the earth. But listen, getting back to my point, God uses people to change your life. But when you resist being around people, you resist growing. And so what happens? You're in this season and I'm, I'm going to wrap this up. You're in a season, and you're in, a, lot, in a, a time allotment in that season, and you're trying to grow, and, you know, you're looking at things. And, and this is the thing, you know, you, you look at the areas where you may have been resisting your growth, and you, you choose not to look, you know, you choose not to resist in certain areas, but in other areas you resist, you know. And so what happens when I resist? Well, when I resist, remember, a season is like a test. You know, when you, when you let's say... Um, and I'm, I'm going back to my point about, you know, assembling of the saints. I was talking to this with my daughter yesterday. Uh, you know, for those who don't want to go to church, and not that she's in that category, but I'm just saying we're talking about it. Um, and the question was, well, what if I don't go to church? Or, you know, I don't see how that would be. Or I, I don't know, could that affect someone's growth? Absolutely. See, because let's, let's look at class. You know, whether you were in high school, elementary school, middle school, undergraduate school, master um, you know, graduate school, law school, whatever it may be. Whenever you go to class, there is a test at the end of the of the you know semester or whatever it is. And a test is there to assess how much you've learned from the lessons taught during the semester or during the quarter, whatever you have. So when you enter into a season, think of that as class beginning. You go to class to learn the lessons. Where, do, where are the lessons taught? Uh, guess what? In your house of worship. If God chose 
because God chose your house of worship for you and he chose the pruner for you, the one who's giving you the lesson is the, the teacher. So here's the teacher giving you lessons. Whether you're there or not, it doesn't matter. I think about it like this. I mean, when I was in undergraduate school at, at Middle Tennessee State University, shout out to the Blue Raiders. Um, I remember at my, in my last semester, um, I took like eight classes because I was ready to graduate. And I, I mean, there's only so many classes you can go to. So there was this one class I had in, in public relations, which was an elective um, in my mass media degree. And I, it was an 8 o'clock class, and then I was working. I was, you know, I was working two jobs, actually, and I was going to class. I was tired. I didn't go to class. I, I think I went to, the whole semester, I think I went to that class twice. And then it came time to the exam. And, man, I passed that exam with a C-. minus. I was so t- tore up because I was messing my GP up. But I could have gotten an A if I went to the classes during the semester. You know, so... I was missing out on all these lessons and thinking I could take the test, and it was by God's grace that I passed it. But there are a lot of people who, like me, didn't pass it. I mean, I passed it, but they didn't. Because like me, they didn't go to class. You know, and so God gives you a house of worship. He gives you a, a pastor to help prune you and to teach you the lessons in the season you're in, but you won't go to class. And then when, and guess what? Regardless of whether you go to class or not, the test is coming. And so you're in the season there's Because the season has a time period. Remember, there's, there's a time allotment in your season. It's meant to be temporary. But because you were not willing to prepare for the test by going to class, and when the test came for you to take, you failed it. And so, like, in, in most circumstances, if you fail the test, you may fail the class. And if you fail the class, you have to take the class over again. So guess what? Why am I stuck in this season? could be because you didn't prepare for the test and you didn't take the and when you took the test, you failed. So guess what? You repeat the season over again. Or you stay in that season until you pass the test. You can't you cannot will yourself out of a season. You cannot. And so stop resisting the season. Stop resisting what God's doing to you and for you and through you in the season. Sit and learn the lessons. Sit under a man or woman of God. Listen to what they're teaching you. Because it's not them, it's God using them. To teach you the lessons so that when the test comes, you are prepared and you pass. And when you pass, you move to the next season. And guess what? It's the same cycle. It's the same thing. You enter in seed form. But you're better, you're wiser, and you're stronger than you were in the previous season. And you're more, you're more fit. You're more fit, excuse me, for the master's use. So I'm going to encourage you, hopefully this blessed you, I'm going to encourage you to stop fighting the seasons you're in. You know, when, when people, when soul is throwing you, don't get mad at the people God, God's using or Satan sent to, to throw dirt on you. Don't become bitter at the players or the actors in the season. Become better in it. Don't, don't resist your growth. Don't despise the small beginnings. Grow. And don't resist the pot you're planting. Bloom in that pot until God changes your pot. But wait on him. And then when you're in the pot, stop resisting the lessons. Go to your house of worship. Sit under your man or woman of God and listen to what God is saying to you. And no, it may not always be popular. It may not always be something to your liking. But it's what you need. 
Stop having itchy ears and going to place to place to hear what you want and listen for what you need. And stop fighting your season. Stop resisting your growth. Understand there to everything there is a time. I mean, there's a season and a time. And God has you in a season. Your job is to learn in the season what God wants extracted from your seed, what God wants you to grow in, and what God wants you to let go of, what God wants you to do. Go to your house of worship this Sunday, not just because it's it's Easter or Resurrection Sunday, but go because you want to hear God through that man or woman of God. And after that, go again the next Sunday. Don't be a casual believer. Be a true believer. Be a follower, not a fan. I pray this blessed you. I hope it encourages you. Um, I want to give a shout out to some of my friends. Y'all know who y'all are who listen to this on the regular. Um, to those men and women of God that have sent me some emails or hit me up on my um, social media. Thank you. Um, I appreciate it. Mom, I know you're listening. I love you. Thank you for being the woman of God that has made me the man of God that I am. And I want to thank my wife, my lovely wife, who is my cornerstone. I mean, she's my, 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 my backer. She loves this man. And I don't know how she does it, but I love you, babe. And I want to give a shout out to some of my people um, back in New Jersey, particularly one, uh, Adema, uh, Adoma Spalding. Um, your No Box podcast is off the chain, lady. Keep on doing what you're doing. Keep speaking truth to power. If y'all ever have a chance, go on the No Books, No Box podcast. Listen to um, Adema Spalding's um, podcast. Uh, no, I think it. Was, I can't remember what it's called, but look her up. She has an awesome podcast. I think it's, I can't remember. No box. I think it's no box. Um, but either way, shout out to you and wish you the best. And also want to thank my boys um, back in, in my G12, which we don't, you know, it's not called G12 anymore. For us, we just brothers. Uh, Mark, Troy, uh, Frank, James, even Reverend Lloyd. Love y'all, man. Y'all something else. And, um, uh, I'm blessed by all these individuals. and um, So, want to love you. Um, hopefully, another two weeks, I'll come back with another lesson from the cave. And um, hopefully, this was a blessing to you. Love you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us on another Look Podcast. I hope and pray this is challenged, inspired, interrupted, and taking you higher. Before we go, we never take for granted our call to lead others to the cross. So, if you want to be born again, We ask you these simple questions. Do you believe Jesus was sent in the earth by the Father to pay the penalty for your sin and for my sin and for man's sins? And do you want Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior? If you answered yes, then please repeat after me. Jesus, I believe you came to the earth just for me. I believe that you came to take away the sin of the world, including my sin. I ask you to forgive me for my sins, past present, and future. I ask you into my heart and life as my Lord and Savior. I confess that you are my Savior. I give you free reign to Lord over my life and make me whole. I receive you now. In Jesus' name, 
I declare, I am born again. Hallelujah. Hey, listen, if you prayed that prayer of faith, we would love to hear from you. Feel free to contact us by email at alptrinity1 at gmail.com or on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Finally, if you have any prayer requests or you just want to reach out and talk to us uh, by social media or email, we will respond as soon as we can. Keep your head up, beloved, and guard your heart. Love ya.